So you have the cutest cup in your hand and it's it's an owl and it says you're a hoot. Can you tell me? Tell me, tell me about these cups people keep sending you. Hi. So I am the person. I have no issues admitting. I am a complete ham. Most people who spend enough time around me realize you're a ham girl. There's nothing I can do about it. So it has become this strange tradition of people giving me mugs because I'm always drinking tea. So now is to see who gets the most creative. I have crazy cat lady. I have don't mess with me mugs. I even have a Patriots mug. I got a Texas mug. I have a Cowboys mug. So this is one my brother gave me a sister mug, which is super adorable. This one I had somebody gave me, you're a hoot. So every once in a while, I was like, I don't, it's to the point that I can't remember how, who's given them to me because <laughs> everybody gives me a different mug. But every time somebody sees them, I get compliments on them. I I didn't go looking for them. This is just to the nature of what it is. Uh-huh. I think the only mug that I recently have bought is one that says, I got your back. And somebody steals, there's two skeletons and the spine is missing. That's probably <laughs> the only one I got for myself because I loved it. But other than that, yeah, everybody gives me mugs. Oh, that is, that is, that is very cute. And so our listeners, I know you can't see it, but it is a super cute mug. And, you know, DC Gomez, she may say she's a ham, but she is also one heck of a good writer, author, action scenes. And DC, I'm just going to tell our listeners if they haven't heard our first episode, um, First, welcome everyone to JCV Art Studio. It's season five. My name is Joanna, and I am the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child. And DC Gomez, she is an award winning USA Today best selling author, public speaker, mentor, podcaster, and she always makes me feel so uplifted after our conversations. Uh, just God's DC, if you could bottle your positivity, <laughs> bottle your positivity, and God, you'd be, and sold it. <laughs> I think the world would be a better place. <laughs> Here's the good news. I'm glad he said that because I'm planning to do a Kickstarter with my Monday motivation. So I'm like, oh, thank God. Somebody actually appreciates them. So yes, yeah, this is going to be my fall project I'm going to do. I do every Monday. To my newsletter, I send them a Monday motivation. Yeah. And one of the reasons to start is because I'm like, what am I going to talk to people about? Yeah. I'm a believer that if you can start your week off with a good start and something special, the rest of the week tends to come together. So I have been doing it for, oh my God, two to three years now. So I have been sending these posts and one of my readers who I adore her says, why don't you make this into a book? And I was like, say what? Are you serious? So usually I will send one out. I have readers that come back and reply and says, this really resonated. Not always the same. So I was like, you know what? I'm trying to transition into Kickstarter. Why don't I do that? I do the same thing. I'm TikTok. So Mondays you get a motivation and you get motivations on Facebook. So this has been my theme is Monday motivation. So that's kind of the name of the Kickstarter is your Monday motivations. And I'm going to give you 52. My goal is to give you some gorgeous pictures because I think beautiful scenery is, you know, beautiful trees, some beautiful sunrises and all of that part to get you together. My goal is to also package it up in a kind of a theme. So you're going to see, you know, motivations for change, motivations for fear, motivations for love, 
and kind of package it all together. And a lot of the stuff that I send out are usually quotes from other people. Yeah. You know, famous quotes that you have heard, famous inspiration and moments. And a little bit, it usually has a caption from me. Because yeah. I think once you read it, the interpretation of the author. So yes, and when you said, hey, this is inspiring, that just kind of made my heart, you know, oh, get all happy inside because I'm like, hey, that is perfect, especially with my next plans. Okay, we're going to talk about that too. I'm If you see me, I'm scribbling notes down here. We are going to talk about that. But I want our listeners to know just a little bit more about you. Um, like I said, DC, USA Today, best-selling author. She writes in multiple genres, urban fantasy, contemporary lit, YA, children's book, and devotionals. She has, she says on her website, it's a quirky, I like quirky. She has a quirky and at times dark sense of humor that you can see in her books. Now, DC, when she's not writing, she's not being a creative. She has her own podcast inside the mind of authors. It features upcoming and popular authors with new episodes each Friday. And I'm really proud to say I was interviewed by her. (laughs) Now, DC also has an undergraduate degree in film and television from NYU. After college, she joined the U.S. Army, where she proudly served for four years. Born in the Dominican Republic and raised in New England, Texas is her new adoptive home. DC, we're going to have a good time. I can tell already. (laughs) So first, explain to me, I keep hearing Kickstarter. We will talk about your book, The Trader, but just what is, I've seen another author um, in Canada. She's She's starting a Kickstarter. What is a Kickstarter with regards to books? So for anybody who's curious, Kickstarter is almost like a crowdfunding platform, but it's specifically designed for creators. So the goal of a Kickstarter campaign is to help a creator, and it can be a book, it can be a, I have sponsored toys, I have sponsored food items. It can help a creator kickstart literally their campaign for a new product to come out. So the way it works is you say, you know, I'm looking to raise $500 to bring this project to life. It's going to cover the cost of printing. It's going to cover whatever you're looking for. And you get patrons to come in and sponsor different tiers. So you sponsor different levels or the things that you like. Some people just send you money because they love your project. And the goal comes out. If you meet your goal, because you have to meet the goal, the creator gets the money. And then you send to everybody that supported you the items that they got. So the goal is to bring a project to life. This is great for authors who are considering it because it helps you to release a book in the black instead of being in the red. It is also for most authors, you do anywhere from like a seven day to a 30 day launch, which is what it's called. So basically you're literally spending that entire time promoting the Kickstarter, getting people to sign up. The algorithm, so I have taken a class for anybody who wants to check it out. Russell and Monica have a Kickstarter amazing class. They have a book as well, but they will walk you through all the steps. Because one of the things that happens is you have to bring people to Kickstarter and then Kickstarter will match the people that you have. So if you bring 25 people, Kickstarter will show it to 25 people. So the more people you can bring at the beginning, give the visibility, the easier it is for the algorithm to start picking it up. And they, you know, if 
campaign kind of fails, it's there for you know the rest of your life. So you can follow this, you can check it out. But it's specifically designed to help bring these books. So anytime a creator is trying to say, you know, I have this huge project, but it's going to cost all this money. You have to kind of be there. One of the ones that I was just watching, I want to say was a based on the theater games and they were doing little minis and they raised in about 30 days, close to $8 million. They've been around for 40 years. So their group and their fans came in numbers. And the last day of the Kickstarter, they did a 24 hour live. And I was like, oh my God. Like they had people nonstop and they were promoting this. But the beautiful thing about it, it was a passion. It's yeah. not enough to say, I have a book. You yeah. know, you're creating other items, you're bringing your backlist, you're creating something for your, you know, readership that is outside that's just the regular norm. And they're all exclusive. So it's not something they can get anywhere else. Yeah. So this motivational Kickstarter, I'm looking to have posters that you can get as some of the quotes. You know, you can get pins that says dream, believe, you know, dare to soar, all these little things that you can do to make it a lot more. And then if you want to pick up my devotionals or any of the books, you can do it as well. But the goal is to truly give you this beautiful book that you can open every week and be like, okay, this is what I need today and get you started. Okay. I will be signing up to your newsletter because you know what I'm finding is um, I am trusting less and less and less of stuff I'm seeing on Facebook. But if I get it straight from the author, like you said, in your newsletter, then I'm like, okay, I want to support this, right? Cool. So it'll be, you'll have all that in your newsletter. It's one of the fun things, especially because people have been following the Monday motivations to give them something to take it out of the newsletter and into the page. So it's one of those fun things to do. And I'm planning to pick some of the big, you know, ones that people have commented like, this touched me. So everybody has a little bit one of their favorites in there. So it's kind of exciting. It is one of those things I'm like, Kickstarter, like everything else, for me specifically, takes me a little while to get used to. Like, I'm not the person who can just jump in without doing research. I need research to back it up. I need to have a little bit more knowledge. And sometimes it can be paralysis by analysis. But some things, you know, I feel it's like putting a new pair of, you know, the shoes, you know, I got to walk in it. I got to break it down. You got to break them in. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to go for a hike. That's yeah. usually how I feel with new systems. The same thing I felt like with TikTok. I'm doing TikToks and it took me a while to get used to like, okay, what is TikTok? You know, how does it work? How do I play in it? So that to me is very, you know, we're all in different levels, yeah. but it is very important to what is your comfort level and then take a leap. Cool. Cool. Okay. Okay. We're going to talk about your book. We got to talk about your latest book, The Trader. Okay. Oh, it's the second in your urban fantasy series, right? The Order's Assassin. Okay. I've been reading it. Can you tell our listeners, give our listeners a teaser of what and great title of what The Trader is about? So for everybody who's interested, Here's the disclaimer. If you like urban fantasy with an attitude, you enjoy some quirky characters and lots of shenanigans, I'm your girl. This, let's not put, let's put it out there. Let's not go messing around. This is what you're going to get from me. I'm notorious for that. This series is a little different. It is part of my Reaper's universe. So if you read the intern diaries, I'm taking Eric, who happens to be one of the side characters in the 
intern diaries. He used to be the cop. He was a witch. All the stuff that we thought we knew about Eric. And Eric is going to join the Order of Witches who have been betrayed at the end of um, Judgment Day. And he has this heart. And I love the fact that he signs up because he thinks he's going to be doing good. He's going to help his people rebuild. This is what he's all about. And ends up having to become an assassin. So instead of rebuilding, he's becoming the cleaning crew. So in The Hitman, which is really short and quick, pretty much fast novella, to introduce you to where he's at. He doesn't want to be an assassin. He doesn't want to do any of this. But he's still a little proud. Does he, does he admit that he gave up? He literally committed a year of his life. He's been chasing up and down for these people and hasn't found them. And now what do we do? And in between this, he meets this shifter who happens to actually be trained to be an assassin and is horrible at being an assassin because she <laughs> wants to have some moral values. So you have these two characters in the trader who accidentally both end up in Salem because of their own doings. And now you have this drama. So this is book two. It's interesting because I'm normally used to writing books that are fairly standalone for their part of the series. This one is definitely a very serial. Like read one, pick up two, and then you get to get three. So this is the first time I have done a very much definition series books that you kind of pick up one before you pick up two or else you're going to be like, okay, so you know there's going to be a third one coming up called Deployed. But it is fun to create these characters because I do lots of quirky characters. But my steam level is pretty mild. Yeah. You know, characters is they're cute, they're hot, they're sexy. You don't have steam on the page. Eric shows up, Eric has steam 24-7, yeah. and everybody's like, oof, really? Well, it's funny because as you're saying what Eric is like, he's this, he's this in my mind, I'm thinking, and he's hot. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> I can guarantee you everybody was like, so the very first scene. I wrote for him literally in Hitman is he's in the shower, you know, and he's getting poured down. And I'm like, you know, everybody goes like, woof, that's a hot scene. Are we going to be seeing more of that with DC? And I was like, I don't know what you're going to be seeing. <laughs> where this came from. But Eric is that character. And I usually kind of believe that your characters speak differently and each one has an essence. And Eric just has this essence. And absolutely, even Isis calls him, you know, Mr. You know, Sexy Bud. Yeah. But he's just that character. There's just something about him that radiates confidence. He's not trying to be cocky. He's just 175. He knows who he is. And he's not trying to sugarcoat it. He's like, mm, we're going to do what we need to do. You know, he describes himself as, you know, the weapon. He yeah. is that good at what he does, even though he hates what he does. But then I find it's almost like... It's almost like okay. I'm this. This may be a very bad metaphor. Peanut butter and jam. You've got Eric, and then you have Sasha, and it's just she is so different. But it's like they're so good. To, they're so good together, right? Sasha is probably if we if I had a cousin that was a shifter, Sasha would be my cousin. Yeah. She has all those elements of what my family's encompasses. She is loving. She is dedicated to her family. But she has this streak of her that she just doesn't want to conform. You know, she's just finally said, no, I'm not doing this. Like, this is not who I am. But at the same time, she is loyal to a fault. And she doesn't see herself as hot as she is. She's just, she knows she has these qualities because she's an assassin and has been trained to maximize it. 
Yeah. Most of the time she sees herself in the clothes. You know, she's just going to do her thing and just, you know, she decided she's not going to be an assassin because she's going to be an accountant. Yeah. This is her thing. She's going to be an accountant because <laughs> this is safe and it's a real job. And so then she finds out the accountants are the most lethal in her clan. And she's like, what have I done? You know, this poor yeah. child is like, I-, I just can't win. What is going on here? Yeah. Eric, on the other hand, knows he's deadly and lethal. He's just like, hmm. I'm stuck here. I guess I'm going to do the most of it. So yes, there. That's a beautiful analogy. They're definitely your PB and J. Well, they just they they groove. They groove. Okay. So, can you explain to our listeners what the third eye is? <laughs> so, how to break it down? I'm taking the concept of the third eye a little bit from the chakras. So, yeah. for anybody who's following your chakras, we have you know, Reiki sessions, you have chakras throughout your body that are connecting to energy levels. So your third eye is supposed to be in the center of your forehead, which is technically how, you know, information it holds that that chakra sense. What I like about the chakra is that, you know, the, your crown connects you to the universe, your chakra is supposed to expand your knowledge. But what if, and I've seen other authors do it as well, so it's not a new concept at all. Let me just put it out there. It's nothing new about it. Yeah. Jim Butcher does it beautifully, the dressed in foul. But what if the supernatural just has a division? What if that is your lens to see and be on and somebody activates it? So in the intern diaries, when Isis gets picked up to be the best new intern of North America, the first thing she has to be able to do is see the world because she's supposed to be collecting the souls of the deceased. In order to do that, they engage her chakra. They engage her third eye. And she has to mentally be able to address it and see it. So the beautiful thing about it is once you see it, you can't technically unsee it. Oh, yeah, that can be, geez, that's good. That's really good. I'm just thinking there are a lot of things I've seen, which I would love. I've thought, oh, God, I wish I hadn't seen that, right? Oh, wow. That's very good. I like that. Okay. So we've been mentioning a bit about Sasha. How did she come about? Um, how, or how would you like, how would you just, I've started this thing now. How would you describe Sasha to, you know, a best friend or if, or a relative or, cause she to me is just, I love her. You know, she's, her heart is so in the right place. Sasha is that girl next door, minus the assassin part. Let's just put it out there. You know, she's a tomboyish. She wants to do the right thing. She's trying to not disappoint her family, which is, I think, beautiful in every condition. And when I started first writing Sasha, because she happens to be Dominican, so I thought this is going to be my sole character. Yeah, this is going to be the character that's going to have all of my issues and I'm going to deal with all these things. And that wasn't it. Like my character was definitely Eric. Like I did not expect for me to be dealing with as many issues with Eric and seeing myself in Eric. Because Sasha is literally, she's trying to find her place. You know, she fails as an assassin, not to her fault, let's be honest. So she has to go home. How many of us have to start over? So she has this beautiful idea. You know, she's starting over. She's like, I'm not good at this. And she's done something that many of us have a hard time admitting is that I'm not good at this. I don't want it. And it's okay for me to begin again. So she gives herself the grace, you know, her 
grandmother helps her. So she has this great support system, even though the main guys in her family, so all the males in the families are looking down at her. The fun thing is that the assassin clan of the Garcia are run by females. So whatever, they can say all they want. The mothers are like, mm, she's fine. Let her go. Yeah. Yeah, and she does that. The mom does. We will be talking about the mom and Sasha and her mom's relationship. Yeah. Okay. Now, I can't remember from our last interview if you had said you were a plotter or not. Do you plot? Yeah. I'm okay. such a plotter. Okay. With okay. this series, I have tried to give myself a little bit more of the grace to be a pantser. Yeah. Just right at a seat of my pants. But still, I have literally note cards that very loosely now. I yeah. am a plotter. I need to know. My books are very much a combination of definitely urban fantasy, but they have a little bit of mystery. Yeah. So I kind of need to plot in order to figure it out. What are we going to get to the end? You know, yeah. who did what? So anytime, especially when you have killers and you have all this stuff, my books need to have these portions in here. So yes, that's something that is huge in order to pull it off. So plotting is huge in my bubble. So did you find, as you're writing, and you've plotted, you know, you have the plot line, this has happened to me, where it's almost like, whether you call it the secondary storyline, but it's, did you find that, did any surprises or un, unexpected plot twists come to the surface as you're writing The Traitor? All the time. Yeah. I think this is one of those stories because it's so tied with Judgment Day. So Judgment Day is when all of the enemies of the horsemen come together and attack them. So you have this whole entire piece. And the question comes back, who attacks literally the witches? So there's an entire revelation about Isis in this story that I didn't see coming. Okay. In the interdiaries, you find Isis to be the chosen one, if that's your trope that you're looking for. She is the chosen one. You don't actually get to find out how she's the chosen one into traitor because traitor gives you much more enemies to lover kind of sense. You know, Sasha could care less. You know, yes, Eric is hot. Sasha could care less about him. You're a little arrogant little boy. Eric's like, mm, she's she's hot. And everybody's like, you like hot messes. Please stay away from her. <laughs> so they have this very much conflicting bantering. She's like, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah. So there's a lot of pieces in this story that are coming out. And I think it's like everything in life. Because I'm writing in a universe that still has so many moving pieces and so many characters, you get to find a lot about the entire universe as the story evolves. So very much in terms like who is involved, you know, we're going back into demons and witches and a little bit of the Salem history, which I really enjoy, yeah. and taking you on this really wild ride. For anybody who enjoys, you know, those kind of adventures, one of my readers had the best compliment I think it was a compliment. I'm taking this as a compliment. <laughs> she pretty much goes, you are notorious for taking me on this wild chase. I'm lost 24-7. And then you hit a point where like, damn, you're like, oh, God, it all fits together. And I was like, yeah, they didn't do that on purpose. They're like, yes, you do. You do this all the time. Every single one of your books is like never-ending madness and things are happening. I'm holding on to dear life and they move really fast. And out of the blue, everything clicks. And she's like, Oh, she's like, then I feel I have to go back and figure out what I missed. I'm like, that's intense. Yeah, that's a great compliment. That is a compliment for sure. Yeah, yeah. So now just going off from what you were saying, okay, 
I find that there are, like when I was reading, you know, you mentioned about, you know, different issues that they may be facing. And I was thinking there are, uh, how do I say this? For me, when I was reading it, for my experience, is that there are almost like real life issues, which you bring in to this story, which to me also grounds it a bit too, for me. Um, and I just, I have that, like, it it's one, you know, it's one simple paragraph and which just stood out for me. And maybe it's because of uh, stuff that's happening in, 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 in Canada, in Vancouver, um, which I've seen on the news. So it's just, it's near the, uh, literally it is on page three and it, I'm just going to read this one paragraph. Okay. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know the work that's gone on and maybe one little paragraph, but I know the work that has gone on with each sentence in this book. Okay. So cautiously, he maneuvered his way around the group, listening to the bits of conversations from the crowd. Some blamed vandalism. Others blamed the lack of police support in their community after the death of the sheriff. Mysterious deaths were a pattern in Maine. We are dealing with stuff with stuff like that. We're dealing with, you know, lack of, of needing more police. Um, we, oh, the city I'm from, um, Victoria, they're having a huge problem with vandalism. Okay. Um, and Victoria is tourist city. I have, I interviewed another author from Texas and he was telling me, or two authors who have told me they've gone to the Empress in Victoria for high tea, you know? So, but those are issues that you know we are seeing i am seeing on our news and i really appreciate i appreciate that because you know you're in texas i'm on vancouver island but yet there's a connection with even the issues you know what i'm saying like even if that's not what that you att attended but i could relate to what you had written have I explained myself or do I need more you coffee? Did. No, okay. no, no, you're doing wonderful. One okay. of the beautiful things about urban fantasy is that it's taking place in real context. So when you're looking at it, I want to create the word, the world that you're feeling and you're seeing as real as you can possibly be. Yeah. This is not going to be the, the, you know, Pollyanna world where everything's perfect. It's not. No. It's filled with conflict. It's filled with issues. And you're walking in or Eric's walking in into a fire. You know, he's trying yeah. to investigate. He thinks he's has a lead. He shows up and he's walking into a house fire. He's like, what has happened? And you get to feel what happens when you are in small town, big town, whatever. There's a fire. Everybody has an idea. Everybody has a theory. This is what you're seeing. So Eric is in the middle of that, but those are very human emotions. Those are very human realities. You know, there is vandalism, there is going to be crime, there is going to be all these things. So I'm not trying to sugarcoat them. I'm trying to make you realize that we have more in common than we have different. Yeah. So when it comes to writing these books, you will have a social commentary if you want to find it. That's yeah. my theory to everything I write. 
you know, book one has a social commentary on homelessness. Yeah. You know, we all want to say, you know, do the best we can we have about homelessness, but nobody really wants it in their community. I want to go help somebody really far away. Yeah. So as long as you're not next door to me, everything's great. Yeah. It is nothing in commentary on our human condition, how we've been brought up. But it's also the fact that we are good, that you have these organizations that want to do good, that we have people that are trying to do good every day. Sometimes they just come across the wrong way. Yeah. So when you're looking at it, if you're looking for that social tad bit of commentary, you can find it. Because I do write in a way that anybody can pick it up. And I say anybody, I would say high school and higher, but this one's, you know, if you're, you can pick it up and you will get different things. Yeah. Depending where you're at in your life. Absolutely. Cool. All right. All right. That oh, makes me feel good because I kept, you know, sometimes I think, oh, this is a silly question, but I'm, I'm glad I kept it in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was a beautiful question. Absolutely. Okay. So on the lighter side, we got, you got to talk to us about Bartholomew, the immortal undertaker. So you're having tea with your girlfriend and you're, yeah, you're having tea with your girlfriend and you say to her, you wouldn't believe who I met today. What would you tell her about Bartholomew? So here's, this is a series that, you know, for our listeners, this is going to be huge spoiler alerts on Judgment Day. I apologize, but Bartholomew is a reap. You know, you meet him in book one, you know, in Turn's Diary, that's intern, and he is this little kid, but he's a genius. He is a child genius who really much is technically an arms dealer. We all have questions about Bartholomew. He's brilliant. He's in, you know, he's just a quasi He's in charge of everything, but he's too smart for his own good. So now we are fast forwarding into, you know, the hitman and the traitor, and he has become a sassy little guy. And the beautiful thing about it, because now he's immortal, he is drop dead gorgeous. For everybody who's been watching the intern diaries, it's like, I can't unsee him as a 13 year old. I can't visualize Bartholomew as a hot guy. And death is like, I can't have him be 13 the rest of his mortal, you know, his eternity. So you're looking at a, you know, young man who still has the mindset of a 15 year old, still brilliant. So he has no issues. You know, he's a typical teenager. He's going to tell you what he thinks. There is no filter there. He's just going to say what he thinks and you're just going to have to suck it up. So he teases Eric notoriously because Eric has reputation for having really bad sense in women. So he's just like, if they're going to be a train wreck, Eric's going to go for them. (laughs) So Bartholomew would just calls him out and he's just like, "Mm." and he has my favorite, you know, scene. He's like, you know, this is Bartholomew with the magic stick. And Eric's like, I don't want to hear that. I I don't want to hear that. Yeah. Constantine, who is literally now his mentor and father-in-law talking cat, literally slaps and is like, I don't want to hear that either. We cannot be having this conversation. It's like, you still Bartholomew. Yeah. So smart, brilliant, and absolutely the sweetest character you will ever meet because you just want to hug Bart. Bart is that kid that everybody just wants to be like, oh, so yes. Good, good, good. Okay. We were hinting about this. We were hinting about this with Sasha and her mother, Rosa. They have an interesting relationship. So can you talk to us about the, like, there are, like, there's a whole, like, the family relationship and the relationship between Sasha and her mother, because I think it's special. It's complicated. And I like that. I always like complicated. So t- tell us about that. 
there is something very, very special between mothers and daughters. And I think in all of my books, Angela and her mom, Barbara, have it in like the Cat Lady special. There's this dynamic that we have with our mothers. It's a combination of we want to impress them. We want them to be proud of us. Yet we're competing. And we always feel that we're not measuring up. So Sasha has a mother who happens to be running the clan. Bigger than life. She is bigger than life and she's absolutely deadly. So, you know, you have to be in order to run the oldest and most powerful clan of assassins around. You know, they have a reputation. She, you know, beat her brothers into being the clan, you know, matrix. And she has these power tricks. Sasha always feels like she's not enough. You know, she is in one of the middle. She doesn't feel like she's good enough for her mother. She doesn't feel that she's measuring up. But by gosh, she's going to do everything she can. So when we're looking at those relationships, there's something always very interesting between mothers and daughters. Yeah, They're either click and they're best friends, or they're always at odds and there seems to be fighting. And it takes years for those relationships to evolve. This is where they're at. They're at that place where Sasha's no longer a kid. Yeah, yeah she's not quite the adult her mom thought she should be because her mother thought Sasha was going to take over the clan. Yeah. You know, she has his skills. She's one of the best in her class. She has everything it takes. Yeah, she has this idea of morality. They're like, you're an assassin. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. So when it comes to them, it's mom trying to be understanding of her daughter and letting her be, while trying not to show her disappointment and still, at the end of the day, still her daughter. Yeah. You're going to get killed if you attack her daughter. Yeah. But it's that protective, like, type of dysfunctional family yeah. i can criticize my daughter but by god you better not because you're going to hear it from me oh yeah yeah i will take you out <laughs> <All right>? <laughs> <laughs> see and i we have two daughters and i would say we've raised them both the same like our parenting hasn't changed but they are still two very different different young women you know and like you say i had you know one daughter clicks pretty much, you know, same kind of interests. Um, our second daughter, you know, she's doing her, her own thing. We may not have so much in common, but we have found our connect. I get, does that make like, we have found our connection and like, we have found a middle ground. Yeah. And yes. let's just say that one day we were over in Vancouver and I got really, really ill at a restaurant. And, uh, you know, it, to the point where at first I said, I was, I said, take me to the hospital because I'm just so sick right now. Right. And it came on really strong. And then after I started to feel better, and it was our youngest daughter who, when I, I came out of the washroom, I said, okay, I'm starting to feel better. The youngest one, you know, she's, 31, she just stuck her elbow out and she said, Nope, you're not changing your mind. We're going, you know, and she put her elbow out for me to loop my arm in. And I just thought, she's taking care of me, you know? And it just, it meant, it meant so much, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's absolute different dynamics between mothers and daughters. And I think the same between, you know, sons and fathers, per se. I have one of those very, I call it dynamic relationships with my mother. Yeah. And it has taken us years to get to this place in terms of being treated as an equal. My mom sees me as an adult for the longest time. And yet there's days that she steals me, sees me as her little kid and gives me these like, you need to do A, B, and C. And I'm like, what? 
<laughs> yeah. That. yeah, it doesn't change. It, it just doesn't change. So you're getting to see that relationship between Sasha and her mother yeah. and experiencing that with her and kind of trying for her to figure it out. Mom's amazing. We're terrified of mom. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Okay. Okay. Now, thinking my daughter and I, okay, the one, the oldest one who's really interested in books and she belongs to a book club. We were talking about what draws us to a book, you know, and she had mentioned um, a book that's been huge on TikTok with the, you know, and there was, she mentioned about the hashtag book talk. Um, but she said to me, she goes, I didn't like it, mom. You know, and I, I have said to her, you know, so in this, this private conversation, you know, this conversation we had, I said, well, there's this other book that's been made into a movie. And I go, and I feel like I'm the only one on the island who never, who doesn't like the book. You know, it's just, you know, when you read a book and then you think, well, they're just, the characters are just two miserable people. And now they're going to be raising a child in this miserable relationship. Like I don't, and we figured it out. I like to read books that they can be dark, but there's hope. Okay. I like reading about hope. Okay. So what I'm wondering is, what is it when you pick up a book that, that you, how do you want to be drawn into the book? Because we had said, it was characters. Like I will, I will follow that if it's a really good character who's making, um, even if the character's making bad decisions, but for right reasons in the character's mind, I I will follow that character everywhere. So, what is it that that draws you? That when you pick up a book, what is it that you want to that book to do and pull? How to pull you in? You mentioned characters. I always thought I was very plot driven. Yeah. Into my sister-in-law who does the audiobook, she goes, no, you're all character. I was like, what? She's like, you're all character. Your books are all character. Things happen to your characters. I'm like, question mark, question mark. For me, books, I like action. Yeah, I like a touch of mystery. I don't do horror. Yeah. Even though I write a lot of horror elements in my books, I like the sarcastic. I like the comedy. So here's the part that I realized as an adult. Took me years to realize I'm not description heavy. While I would sit here and read, you know, The Lord of the Rings, I even read, I committed to like the real times. So I, I think I got to book eight. Yeah. After a while, I'm just very much into, let's get to the point. <laughs> let's yeah. move on. Let's get to the action. I'm with you. I want my character to develop, yeah. which is the part that is sometimes hard. I, I don't want you to do the same mistakes for five books. Yeah. So if I'm committing to a series, eventually I want you to do a new mistake yeah. or do something else. Like give yourself time to grow. But I usually look for actions. Yeah. I enjoy a good suspenseful mystery going on in between it. I do like my happy endings. I'm not big into the darkness of it, yeah. which is what I've realized a lot of my books come the same way. Yeah. So I pretty much write what I read. Yeah. So I enjoy cozy mysteries. I enjoy love, urban fantasy. I like a little inspiration. So you're going to see those elements play a lot in my writing because yeah. of those things I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Okay. Okay. So thinking about, actually, before I get to this question, you had mentioned audiobooks. Did you, I, okay, this is going to sound really silly. I am loving audiobooks. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> I feel like I've discovered something new. Uh, honestly, I do not live in a in a cave <laughs> in Canada. Okay, I've just been so busy, right? So, what I've been doing is I've been listening to audiobooks because I'd like to take my experience as a podcaster and I would like to produce an audiobook of one of my books. So I'm 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 learning things about how to say prologue without coming across with a, a heavy P. Okay. So I've been listening to lots of audiobooks and I'm loving it. You know, um I can sit and do art and listen to an audiobook and I'm in at my happy place totally. So audiobooks, all your books, they're all available. Like your books are all available as audiobooks. We're working on that right now. So that's yeah. kind of the transitioning of getting them. I need to go back and redo this intern. So we did it privately. So that one needs to get redone and edited again. It's going to be able to plot one. But Cat Lady Special is on audiobook and it's just hysterical. I actually have a narrator that has a very Southern accent. So you get a feel to where she's at. But I'm with you. I was never big into audiobooks. I was very, yeah. I want to say traditionalist. I like yeah. my books kind of print. You know, even ebooks were kind of hard, but I found myself driving a lot. Yeah. I'm going cross country here in the US to go to events. I was driving to Savannah, I'm driving to Houston all the time. And I got tired trying to find what to listen to. And I also find out I don't have enough time. Yeah. So if I can grab an audiobook, so Neil Gaiman's the one that hooked me because he narrates almost 99% of his books. And I just fell in love with his voice. Yeah. I fell in love with his rhythm. So I'm like, you know what? If I can find a good narrator that I can get hooked on, yeah, I can drive. I can do a lot of errands around my house, but I can get a lot of stuff done. So I'm with you. Like audiobooks yeah. have become my go-to when it comes to getting stuff done. Yeah, that I need to be able to also read. It is such a good form. Yeah, it's easy to consume. It's something you don't have to explain to me what you're doing. Nobody is asking like, "Hey, what are you reading?" You you have your headphones, you have your earbuds, whatever you need to do, and just go. Yeah, like I um. Did a workout this morning, you know, like I've I've got my weight set up and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to listen to? And I thought, your audiobook, you know, put that on, you know. And then again, like I said, I was creating art, put that on. And it was the other night, I think it was around 10 o'clock. I had my ears plugged in, listening to the audiobook, creating some art, and oh my God, was that a good place to be in? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I love also nonfiction books. So I am a coach and I'm a mentor as well. Yeah. So I do lots of nonfiction. I love leadership books. I love self-development books. And I have found out that if you, especially when you don't have enough time, if you are a yeah. creator and you're listening, here's the part. You know, Stephen King says, you know, his book on writing, you should read. Yeah. I love it. It gave me permission to go back to reading. But it's also more that you're going to have to find time. Yeah. When do you have time for yourself? Because that hour, you're going, oh my God, I could be writing, I could be painting, I could be doing all these things. So when you get to do an audiobook, you can be doing the dishes. You can be vacuuming. You could be doing laundry because that's usually my Sundays is do laundry, clean and organize. Well, I want to read. I want to be able to do something fun. So it gave me permission to do both. And if I can multitask that is actually good and productive, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Okay. Just a couple of lighter questions here. 
thinking about the writing process, what advice would you give to a new author? Give yourself the grace to start. And that's usually, I think, the hardest one. I needed somebody to give me permission to write my first book. And that was my spiritual director. I needed somebody to tell me, it's okay to start. It is okay to write this book. It is okay to take this leap of faith. Yeah. Normally, we will have the imposter syndrome. We're going to talk to ourselves and say, oh, my God, who's going to read it? At this point in time, it doesn't matter who's going to read it. Just yeah. write it. You know, the world needs your words. You need to just put it out there. Yeah. And sometimes we don't give ourselves the grace. We yeah. have too many people who suffer from being perfectionists. So they're not going to write because it's not perfect. Yeah. No, you're not really can edit it if you didn't write it. That's so right. So give yourself the grace and be kind to yourself, by the way. I am of the school of thought that writing is fun. Yeah. I'm getting ready to do a anthology submission. This is like third. I've been doing this for about three years. So this is going to be my third, fourth year. Yeah. So I'm getting ready to add it. So I'm having to reread the story, which normally I don't do. But I'm getting ready to read my own story. And I was sitting here giggling. I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part. Enjoy your writing. Enjoy this adventure because it's your adventure. You yes. write for yourself. You publish for others. So enjoy and give yourself that grace. That advice. Oh, that, yes, that needs to, just what you said needs to be in your book. Okay. Like you write for yourself and what did you just say? You write for yourself and you publish for others. The author, Drake Alexander, actually, Maxwell said that to me. He was giving a lecture and he said that and it just opened these doors. Yeah. Because sometimes we, well, we forget that yes, we do write for ourselves. We are publishing for readers. Yeah. But give yourself that grace to write it. Yeah. And then enjoy it. Have a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Okay. So the next question, what is your proudest moment as an author? Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Mm-hmm. Probably because it's the things that's most recent in my mind. Yeah. I got to do a school visit here in Texarkana. Middle school. What, so it's a two-part for everybody who's following. So I got a librarian contact in the middle school and said, hey, I have a story to tell you. And I was like, okay. So she said, a student came to my library looking. So they were trying to find something. She gave him one of my books. So he's like, hey, read this. The student came back about two days later. And she said, he looked at her and said, this book made me put down my video games. Do you have the other ones? And I was like, oh my God. And she goes, when a book makes a young man put down his game, I had to go find them. So then she goes, then I found out you're local. Do you want to come and talk to us? And I was like, absolutely. So showed up, do a great presentation with the kids. They're amazing. They're so much fun. And we're having a presentation in the library. In the back of the group, there's a teacher that has three students who are learning English as a second language. They're all three from Mexico. The girls, two girls and a young man. Girls only been in the States about less than a year, about a year and a half. So she's like, so I heard you were not from this country. I was like, nope, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. I came to the States when I was 10 and a half. She's like, do you mind talking to them for a bit? So it was beautiful because most people forget that I speak Spanish. (laughs) So we had this lovely conversation. And they were talking about being frustrated. 
yeah. not getting it, not moving fast enough. And I looked at these young ladies and I and the young men who are standing there, and I was like, English is not my first language. And they're like, really? It's like, no. And I have 19 books. And the look in their faces. And then we all got teary eyed because she, I was like, there is hope. Yeah. It sounds so big and it feels so big. And you're learning something so complicated and insane as the English language. Let's just put it out there. But it will be okay. And it is that moment that being able to say, I have these books yeah. that completely impacted a child's life to see themselves and say, oh my God, if I stick to what I'm doing, I can have that as well. Like, yeah. So we all cry. That was the oh. moment that we all got teary-eyed. Teachers got teary-eyed. We were like, oh my God. So it was probably the best feeling of being able to be a writer and giving back to your community and being able to give back to a child who doesn't see any reflections, who hasn't seen people that look like them yeah. do something that feels so big as writing. Yeah. And to me, that's being an influencer right there. That's an influencer. And I think that's what an influencer should be. Oh, that's a van. Oh, that's a great story. That is a great story. Oh. All right. One last, one last bit tough question before I ask what's next. So when I don't think readers realize they don't know this, right? Because they don't realize this. I can look at, look back at the unraveling. And I can remember where I was in my life, okay, where I lived, what the time frame was, you know, were the kids uh, big, little, small, you know, like school, junior high. I can look back at dealer's child and I know I remember, I, I have in my head almost like a movie image of seeing myself where I sat when I started writing that story. Okay. And to me, each book is almost like it represents a period of my life. Okay. So I was wondering with you when, oh God, you got 19 books. We'll be here forever. <laughs> okay. Let's say now I remember you mentioned with judgment day, how, what was hard is that came out when lockdown hit. So we're not going to talk about lockdown. <laughs> what what do you when you look back at the trader? What do you is there like a a moment or a situation or a location that you could share with us that comes to mind when you look at that book? This is the book that I promised my mother. So I told you I had a very dynamic relationship with my mother. So my mother, when I first started writing, because I do urban fantasy and it takes place in real places, I had told my mother that I was going to do a play, a book that took place in Salem, right? So just keep that in mind. Salem, Massachusetts, I am from which country? So let's just put it out there. So I said, okay, so we, we smiled, we went on. So about a year and a half ago, my mother goes, so where's that book at? And I was like, oh gosh, you remember yeah. what's going on? And I've been trying to figure out what book I would place. I mentioned Salem. I says, goes, this is her godmother who happens to be in salem because she's the you know leader of the order which is what do i want taking place in salem because i grew up there yeah. so i want a depiction of salem that is not as cartoonish as some people have done but yeah. it still comes with that richness there's something absolutely gorgeously beautiful about the city that still has my soul so when you look at this book 
it is a piece of my family. It is a piece of those neighborhoods that you might not know. You know, Sasha lives in my old apartment building where I grew up. Ah. So, so granted, her clan owns it now. Yeah. So yeah, so she lives in those apartment buildings. She's going down, you know, the commons. She's down to all these places that I walk, all these places that I've been to. So to start the trader, because I hadn't been home in such a long time, this summer prior to it, I went with my mother. And we did a walking tour of the city. I had tons of pictures where anybody wants to look at it. Yeah. And it's just me and my mother walking around. So every location that is talked about, we visited in order wow. for me to get an idea. So I have pictures of these places, you know, Maria's sweet shop, you know, the nocturnal place that has it. So we got these places in mind. So this book is definitely a very present to my mother because we spend literally a week long wandering around, taking pictures, going to places. And she walked with me the whole entire place because I'm like, listen, you want this book. You're coming with me. Yeah. So she's like, let's go. Let's Aww. do this. So yes, it was pretty, pretty fun. That's a great story. Another great story. Okay. Okay. So DC, wrapping it up. A, I want to get your newsletter link. And what's next? Newsletter link, the easiest way to get it, I tell everybody, go to my website. So it'd be dcgomez-author.com. And if you actually download the book, it will take you to the newsletter. So there is the free Origins of Constantine. So you can download the free novella of the madness of this cat that is everybody's favorite. So you can download it from that and it'll give you directly to my newsletter, get you signed up for it, which is awesome. What is next is kind of the big, huge secret in my world. Okay. I have about four different series that are going on at the same time. Yeah. And it's trying to figure out what's next. I definitely know my Kickstarter is coming next probably this fall. Yeah. It is back to a decision between does Eric get his final book this year? Does Angela and the Cat Ladies get their book? I also have a trilogy called Another World. That one has, it's going to get relaunched in Kickstarter. Yeah. And it's trying to figure it out, do I bring that one back? So what's next? Just sign up the newsletter and you'll figure it out with me. We'll, we'll do this a testing period together. Excellent. Excellent. Well, DC, thank you so much for spending time with me. So enjoy this. And like I said, I, I always, when I talk to you, I come away feeling like I'm floating on clouds. This has been so inspiring. Thank you. It is always a pleasure talking to you. And A, thank you for being on the podcast. And for anybody listening, you've got to check it out. She does do a book reading. I don't think she has mentioned that. So you're going to get a peek at the fabulous <laughs> Joanna talking about her book this time, not everybody else. And it's always truly an honor. I'm always loving to come and chat with your listeners. And hopefully they get really inspired to go and follow their dreams. <laughs>